0: Hello everyone and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on April the twelfth of twenty eighteen. I am Nick here with Chris. We got manga to talk about this week. We do and lots of lots of crazy stuff actually happened this week in manga. <laughs> right? I was trying to I was trying to summarize it all in a little tweet to fire out and I was like, there are some weird chapters this week were there.
1: <laughs> Very emotionally charged set of chapters this week in my mind. Uh, and there's plenty to talk about in that. But speaking of talking, Nick, and talking. there being a lot of that,
0: yes, you know that position. We do when, this for two hours at a time each week. Yes.
1: Well, this is different than that. This is this is a tangent to something that's happened to me at work.
0: Oh, not a tangent.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, see, we do this from time to time. So, there's that situation that exists when you work in in any kind of like retail or service industry, anything where you're stuck in a position mm-hmm. and you're stuck in a spot, and somebody. I'm not going to try to, you know, stereotype it, but somebody, you know, maybe a little bit on the older side has found somebody who is stuck in one spot and wants to talk to them a lot. So we are are, are showing Chappaquiddick, Nick. And if you don't know what Chappaquiddick is,
0: it's... That's this. the Kennedy uh, yes. movie.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, One gentleman is going to see it because he was 19 when it happens. And I know, oh. he was, I know that because he told me that seven times. Seven times. Seven times throughout the day. He told me that he was 19 when Chappaquinick happened. And he would continue to tell me about how Ted Kent, not Ted Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, got away with manslaughter. And I'm like, that's cool. So he has
0: strong so, feelings about this, does he?
1: <laughs> I'm like, that's cool. So one for the movie then? <laughs> and he stood there after getting his ticket every person who came up to the movie after... Are
0: you seeing Chappaquiddick? I I was 19 when that happened.
1: <laughs> better than that, he would stand next to them, wait until they ordered, got a ticket for Chappaquiddick, and he'd say, you know, they used to ask Bobby Kennedy when, about his run for presidency. Would he ever run for president? And he'd say, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> And nobody would laugh because it's a weirdly dark joke being thrown yeah. at you by no person you don't know. So yeah. they'd, they'd kind of be like, all right, and they'd go on a buy, And then he'd turn to me after they left, and he'd be like, they must have been Kennedy's supporters. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, they're just strangers in a line who are being <laughs> accosted with weird humor. <laughs> sir, do
0: they, sir, do they have lar- very prominent wrinkles and white hair? no, then they probably don't remember when this happened.
1: <laughs> no. Well, that was the thing, too, is he like he's like, you're only going to get my people in here, the baby boomers. And then, like, two, like, 30-year-olds came in to get sick, and he's just like, they must have been Kennedy supporters. I'm like, is everything <laughs> that just disagrees? Like, everything... It were Kennedy supporters from the time that they were a twinkle in their daddy's eyes. <laughs> I like to think, like, he went up to get a soda afterwards and, like, do you want Coke or Pepsi? He's like, Coke! No one would ever want Pepsi. Someone behind him's like, I like Pepsi. He's like, they must be a Kennedy supporter! Only a Kennedy would want a Pepsi! It's like, what? What logic is this? So after 30 minutes of that, he finally decided to go into his movie. And then he uh, treated me to a, a, an encore performance after the movie let out. And he was waiting for his taxi to show up. So, that movie must have been made by Kennedy supporters. Oh, he loved it. He, no, he loved the movie. He's like, they really got it. They didn't spare an inch in showing that Bobby <laughs> Bobby Kennedy was, was convicted of manslaughter. Got away with manslaughter. I'm like, I just, come on, man. <laughs> uh, you know I'm stuck here.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I yeah, you got to be thinking like, you know, the thing is that history tends to, you know, reflect very differently on people than, you know, what you remember about them when if you were a contemporary of them. So the Kennedy family is, you know, considered one of the more like beloved fixtures in American uh, life. Uh and, you know, a lot of it, I'm sure, has been affected by the way that uh, both JFK and Robert died. Um, mm-hmm. So, so should it just be like, must be a case. Well, it's
1: just well, it's a point
0: those... to see the movie about the greatest controversy <laughs> in the Kennedy family. So.
1: Yeah. It's like it's not even as though. Like, you would go into, like, maybe this is the movie that redeems Bobby Kennedy. Like, unless they were like, he was secretly Superman, and he tried to save everybody in there. It was actually a third party that was in the car to begin with, having an affair with their wife, on their wife, or, you know, whatever. It's like, there was no good way in. Sorry, did someone in our chat just ask if JFK is dead? Yes! (laughs) He's, like, one of the most infamous dead People out there like dead
0: He's one of like what four, three presidents who have died in office. <laughs> I think four.
1: It's, it's think what it might, it's, it's four. FDR it's four, died. four FDR, and then FDR,
0: it's FDR, uh, William Henry Harrison, and then of course Lincoln and JFK.
1: Wasn't Garfield also killed in office?
0: Oh gosh, that was the thing. It's like I felt I always feel like there's one that I'm, I'm forgetting. But,
1: presidents yeah. who died in office: five. Uh, it's uh william harrison lincoln warren harding fdr and jfk harding Hmm. all right anyway let's talk about
0: some manga why don't we let's do it we can do that thing that is what the show is titled sort of yes
1: we do on a weekly basis we we recap the manga
0: Ah, that sounded like something a Kennedy supporter would do.
1: All right. Let's do it then. Let's talk
0: starting about uh, My Hero Academia. Chapter number 178, The Woman Called La Brava. As with a few of the recent chapters, before we get into the main action of this chapter, we get a little bit of cutting around to just various people preparing for the festival. Uh, we start off with uh, the beauty pageant. Uh, sub 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 plot um, with Kendo she's all dolled up for everything I kind of appreciate that she has basically the same hairstyle as always didn't bother to ch- didn't bother to change that but she is wearing like the most beauty pageant red carpet of dresses it honestly makes me a little uncomfortable that she's wearing like this much exposed, exposed upper body dress I hope that there's a lot of tape on the on that dress, seriously. And then like uh Nejire just kind of comes by. It just kind of randomly wanders in uh, while uh what's his face? The stupid asshole in class 1B is like, ah, "What are you doing you for dolled up or whatever?"
1: Is this um, superhero name Dick Basket? Cuz I feel like I, it's... I feel like it should be. That'd be a great superhero name. <laughs> Come save us, Dick Basket. <laughs> He's like, look at the stupid trouble you got yourselves into. <laughs> Do
0: you have anyone's powers to, that you can absorb so that you can actually be useful?
1: Nope!
0: <laughs> 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 uh, Nigeria comes in and she's wearing like actual casual clothing. So I mean, it's just a t-shirt and a, and a skirt. And Dick Basket also just greets her somehow in a very arrogant way he's just got that stupid shitty grin on his face and he shouts it whenever when she comes in. But so Mezure and uh, Kendo are just kind of like exchange like compliments. Basically, you know, good luck to you, too. And then that weird eyelash girl comes in.
1: Uh, and- excuse me, Nick. Her name is Babimi Ken <laughs> Let's get it right.
0: Oh, oh OK, sure. <laughs> So anyway interrupt Ken
1: Renzaki is going to be an important character Nick they wouldn't introduce her for nothing
0: her eyelashes are literally like a meter two meters long it's it's crazy
1: I love that her eyelashes enter the frame before she does so like someone's just talking and you just see them enter in the frame they're like what oh hey be God.
0: I don't understand. Standards of beauty have changed in the My Hero Academia universe, is all I'm saying.
1: Eyelashes are in, Nick. Tits are out. Eyelashes are in. That's all that matters (laughs) now. How big your eyelashes, girl! Your eyelashes thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Uh, uh,
0: Mirio, meanwhile, is uh, on the way to uh, the festival, along with Eri and Aizawa, uh, he kind of goes over the program so we actually get like a schedule briefly. Um, then we see that uh, Hatsume uh, is in quote unquote peak condition. She doesn't have as much dirt smeared on her. I'll give her that. It's a
1: broad improvement.
0: Looks like she could have really used a lot of sleep, but, but well. Um, and then finally, a little conversation between Toshinori and Midnight. And. Uh, Basically, Midnight's just like, he's going to get kind of close. I wonder what he could be up to. And then we come back to the fight scene. Uh, Deku uh, is still uh, beneath the I-beam at the start of everything, but he kind of drops down from his perch. And I think he tries to use the I-beam to kind of brace himself when he lands, and it doesn't really work out so well. He's lucky that it didn't crush him, honestly. Uh, And then he launches himself after gentle using the same crane that gentle uh, catapulted himself away from. Uh, And then he is like, okay, I need to watch closely. Thus begins the sequence that I would love so much about this chapter, because it's great. Uh, He watches gentle as he, you know, is bouncing through the air towards the ground. And of course that could go straight after him. And uh, so Basically, as he gets ready to prepare another air blast, Deku remembers all the places that Gentle has been bouncing around from and then uses them to launch himself around midnight. Gets ready to fire an air blast. Gentle, not midnight, Gentle. Gentle summons a shield with his elastic powers and he fires around it into another pocket that was right behind him and deflects it into him. It's it's so cool. (laughs) It's like the coolest thing that Deku has literally ever done. Yeah, it I, might well be. I'm serious. This is awesome.
1: <laughs> it's an extremely cool sequence here.
0: And this is only like the first half of what happens in all of this, because uh, now we get character moments. Uh, we get a flashback from Labrava's perspective because uh, she realizes that. You know, Gentle's determination to succeed at this point, you know, the fact that he's put his beard and soul on the line and all of this, that's basically getting him into deeper trouble because he can't just run away now. He keeps he's going to have to keep on trying to move forward. And so she remembers uh, back to uh, her childhood, first of all, to when she was in middle school and she confessed to a boy that she liked and he was like, yeah, but she's a weird stalker. Uh, no, nah, I'm not into that. She's a, she's a real creep. Which caused her to become this tr- tremendous shut-in for... It's kind of hard to tell exactly how long. She's clearly much older after this point because she's spent so much time hiding by herself in the dark that she has literally permanent circles around her eyes. Um... Uh, And then one day she, while she was just being a shut in, she discovered gentle on the internet and she refers to him as my light. She, he provided this kind of sense of hope and purpose to her. And then we get the little bit where she showed up on his, outside his door one day, followed by a bit of a montage of them spending some time together. uh, And, during this, there are little moments where she's very self-conscious about the dark rings around her eyes. First thing to herself, I hope that he doesn't think they're gross. And then one day, when he sees her trying to wipe them away, he instead shows up after having used some magic marker to put dark rings around his own eyes and is just like, hey, what do you think? I think that we, we'll make a good team this way. It's so sweet!
1: <laughs> it, is, it is a very sweet one. Uh, and you know, this is what, three pages long, but it's enough yeah. to create a really kinda compelling backstory for this character because it it hits fucking hard when they just show you like this this shot of, you know, these kids talking about her love letter and they're like, I've never even spoken to her and she writes me like an entire love letter and it's got all these details in it that's clear that she's been stalking me. She's such a weirdo and she's just like you know, I didn't believe in anyone else, I locked myself away, I spent all my time on the computer, I thought about killing myself, you're just like, Jesus! And then she's like, oh, and then I found something to believe in, and something to, you know, someone to help me, like, kind of live my life in a better direction. Mm -hmm. And And he
0: accepted her.
1: And accepted her, and he he was kind to her, and, and he was, you know, he didn't want her to feel shy about her own things, so he was like oh i'm gonna put you know these marks under my eyes too it's just like oh <laughs> fuck man
0: and then it's like you're going to jail
1: <laughs> and deku's like you know what jail's too good for you crack <laughs> you're like oh oh <laughs> <laughs> i don't like dark deku <laughs> darku
0: And then we get an explanation of Labrava's quirk, love, because she says, I love you, Gentle. And all of a sudden he gets this massive power boost because upon uttering the word love, the person she loves most receives a temporary power boost. The deeper the love, the stronger the boost. And when it activates in moments of crisis, the target grows dozens of times stronger. And Gentle just launches himself upward, and he's got all this steam wafting off of him as he sends Deku flying. He looks so cool! Yo,
1: and he has the best fucking line too. He's like, I prefer not to resolve matters by force. Just stands up, flips him over, and he's like, which is why I always edit this part out. And I'm like, that's such a badass line! we a dude who makes YouTube videos of his crimes! This is so cool! He like fucking oh, went so- gear second on us!
0: Oh, man. So he aims a chop at Deku's neck to knock him out. And he's just like, sorry about this, Izuku Midoriya. But in the end, love always triumphs. And then Deku's like, I (laughs) blocked it! (laughs) And he's got another air blast ready to go, pointing it over his shoulder. And he just says, I've fought plenty of people stronger and faster than you, and I haven't lost yet. This was a fucking awesome chapter.
1: (laughs) This is a very cool chapter. I'm I'm really surprised that the end of it too was because I feel like you should like I, you could have easily just ended it on that line from Gentle too, or just him be like, which is why I always edit this part out. Uh, but no, I, I like that you know LaBrava's quirk is essentially that you know love based power up we see in everything else given actual like mechanical form, like it's literally her quirk. So I think it's kind of cool for that. And they they continue to build upon this relationship between Labrava and Gentle that makes it such a dynamic and unique relationship in Jump. You know, this is just it's unlike other characters in this series and a lot of other series in Jump in general. It just it further like just sits in my mind of like, oh god, I hope they do more Gentle than just this arc because he's such a great fucking character. Oh man, it's a very good chapter. Uh, I'm super excited to see what happens next.
0: Yeah, uh, I cannot believe that this, you know, little distraction arc. Oh, the school festival and Aries is going to be happier as turned into something this cool, honestly.
1: One of the I'm coolest like, moments in this series. I'm way
0: more into gentle than I ever was into overhaul. So. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Okay. Let's go on to Food Wars: Shokugeki no Soma. It's chapter 258, Super Specialty, which is like that's like you know uh, like a trading card tier or something like that. You know, you got your rare, you got your super rare, then you got your super special rare, and you got your you know Mythic secret ancient.
1: rare, you got your secret rare. <laughs> You got your ghost rare. Ghost rare, where I'm like, fuck, how many goddamn rares are there? They're like, well, you can get maybe one uncommon per pack. There's every so often you get a dud pack that's all commons. What are you going to do? I'm like, yeah. I fucking hate this. Didn't
0: they do something where they, like, said, like, if you get, you might only get a rare. They eventually did a thing with Yu-Gi-Oh! Where they were like, if you get a pack that has a higher than rare in it, it will also have a rare in it. It's like. That's so weird.
1: <laughs> it's it's one of those things. Look, I think my favorite card game at this point is Hearthstone because it literally has built into it a pity timer where if after 40 mm-hmm. packs you haven't gotten a legendary, you will guarantee get a legendary in the next pack. You're like, oh, thank God.
0: I think most mobile games have some version of that where yeah. it's like, hey, we'll give you, I think they refer to it as a pity pull.
1: Yeah, pity pity timer is what I hear it called to in, in, in Hearthstone
0: all right uh okay so food wars last time someone was getting ready to present his appetizer for judgment and everyone was like what the fuck this time we begin with a flashback and i kind of like the way that we've been getting kind of more and more details about the flashbacks to this training session or preparation session with uh Irina soma and then Megumi, Takumi, and Ishiki. Ishiki, who apparently did nothing I during he, the whole thing. I
1: think he just stood there. <laughs> I'm wearing a loincloth. You're welcome. <laughs> I think he just stood there the entire time. I was like, ha, 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 he's just going off getting a drink. Ha, 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 those kids. Ha, 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 They're like, we're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Help us, Senpai. Ha, 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 you silly kids. i are
0: going to take a Sorry. We do get some information from this point where Irina is like, hey, you know, if you end up having to do the the, the appetizer, you can make a pate de campagne, which I'm sure I mispronounced four different ways. I don't know French. So, uh, Soma v- vaguely recognizes this and she explains the whole premise of it to him and he's like, oh, okay, I got you. So it's kind of like corned beef then. She's like, no, it, it is absolutely not. <laughs>
1: I had to do, because I lost the podcast bet on the Super Larry's Bows podcast last year, so I had to do a training session with my cousin Tommy, who's like, uh, uh, you know, big into physical fitness. He's, he's a gym teacher, you know, lifts all the time. And for whatever reason, I cannot tell you why, I decided to make my breakfast that day, a oh, no. can of corned beef and hash that was like 89 cents at the grocery store, looked like pure dog food. And I ate half of it, I was like, this was such a mistake, why did I do this? This wasn't a part of the bet, I'm just making bad decisions. (laughs) Oh, it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, oh, I'm grossed out now. This chapter is all about delicious meat, now I'm grossed.
0: Um, but there's still, you know, some disagreement between Erina and Suma after this point. Um, so, you know, Erina's trying to, like, lecture him. And he's like, and he still says, like, we still haven't decided who's going to make the appetizers. Who says going to be me? And she's like, all right, then I'm going to make dishes and they'll, they'll force you to realize that I'm going to make the main course. So. It. I do appreciate that at the very beginning of this whole thing, we just got like they literally could not decide who was going to make the appetizer and who was going to make the main course, so they have to do rock paper scissors at the very beginning of it. But we've gotten some that says okay, they weren't just arguing about this for twelve hours; they at least came up with a skeleton plan and some idea of what they're going to do. Which, apparently, Soma has been planning to fuck up this
1: entire time. <laughs> yeah, like, there was a plan, but Soma had a secret backup plan that was just like, Fuck everything! I want to fight you too!
0: And Aaron's like, what the f- what essentially happens with the rest of this chapter, we'll go over it in more detail, essentially what happens is Aaron is like, we had a plan, why did you do this? And Soma basically says, well, it's too late now, I've already fucked up the plan we had, you have to go with mine.
1: <laughs> so- you, have to, you have to now be better than mine. Or we lose stupendously. And it'll be your fault. (laughs) So
0: all the judges are shocked, except for Azami, who looks kind of like evilly triumphant. I think it's one of those weird looks that you can give someone that's a mixture of like disgust, disdain and also happiness. Like you're so happy with how so much someone has fucked up. I
1: think and he, he says stern. you
0: call this an appetizer.
1: Which is true. It is just a giant like piece of meat on a bone. It's not giant. It's like corn on the cob sized. That's giant in my mind. Look, I have fantasized in my life. Fantasized about one day getting one of those like giant turkey legs like in a Game of Thrones or something like that. And just Mm -hmm. feasted upon it. They had them at Hershey Park. I could easily get one. I haven't yet. And I'm kind of holding off the hope that one day, like, woolly mammoths come back and I kill one. And I get to have, like, a giant husk of woolly mammoth leg or something like that. It's just the visual that I live my life for, Nick. All right? Stop judging me. I can hear you judging me.
0: So, it's this little just kind of bone with meat on it and it calls to mind you know the caveman slabs of meat which are directly referenced multiple times throughout this chapter you know you just you take the bone with the meat on it you put it directly over the fire uh, and everyone's like it's caveman food there's no way that that's an appetizer even Rindo is like uh, hey listen up you appetizer are supposed to be more like you know <laughs> Which I which I love one her way of putting that and two that everyone's like, who the fuck are you to lecture him on the proper
1: way to make an appetizer? Like they're like, why are you lecturing him? Shut up! <laughs> Let them blow it.
0: But of course, Soma is like, like, what did
1: I do? What do you mean? What did I do? I made
0: a pata de campagne appetizer. What's the problem here? And make me and Tsukumi are both like, God. Dammit. Fuck it.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> son of a bitch. Cock sucking asshole, Soma. You <laughs> son of a bitch.
0: And everyone essentially assumes, oh, that asshole. He's so determined to take on Sukasa directly that he's ignored everything that's going on. He's gone off the rails. So courage uh, says like, OK, well, even if he fucked up, we have to taste it. And uh, she observes like, oh, okay, yeah, there's 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 beef uh, thin slices of beef wrapped around this pate on the inside. But even if it was made like a cartoony leg of meat and then she tastes it and it's if she's the big rack of meat being burned while Soma turns her there. I know for a fact that there is a fetish of this. I'm not glad that I know about this fetish, but I know it is a fetish
1: yeah I was gonna say this is not the first time I've encountered a woman being put on a spit roast as like a sexual fetish, so
0: a literal spit roast, by the way, not the sexy kind so
1: uh Nick, this is also a sexy kind
0: it's a different it's a different <laughs> sexy kind yes yeah. anyway, it's apparently good as all the food in Shoki no some is uh he explains that he used yakiniku sauce for it. Even store-bought yakiniku sauce has a great bounce of soy sauce, mirin, garlic, and ginger. It makes a good solid base for a marinade. And I just took it and you know, adjusted with a bunch of different things while using the curry order to taste test to make sure it worked properly. I like how Erina just has no response to this. She's just like, She's oh,
1: like I acknowledge it. She's like, whatever. Fucking That's stupid asshole. Asshole. <laughs> Fucking stupid ass giant leg of meat asshole. Hmm.
0: But by, th- by this point, they've only tasted the outer part of the dish uh, because when they buy into the whole thing, it's as though a mellow yet aromatic geyser of savory umami flavor suddenly burst through. Uh, what the result of all of this is, is that Courage and the blonde one uh, have suddenly been stripped down to their underwear because this dish has set off Azami's gifting. He can't deny how good it is. Even he thinks that it's good. But, ah, zombie is not shaken by this. He, he, even, he even compliments like, hey, this actually brings to mind Kojiro Shinomiya uh, with the way that the vegetables are, are used in order to you know, bring out all the, the dishes, uh, overall flavor without losing its elegance and refinement. And Soma explains that he basically combined his two specialties that he had shown Irina in the previous chapter in their planning session and improved upon them. He calls this countdown caveman meat. Uppity brat style. an even greater than my new and improved Yukihira recipes. It's true Yukihira cooking.
1: So I want to point something out here. That I find interesting. So mm. we know that Azami did the gifting. And it, yes. it caused them to lose circles If you look at Azumi in this, this one panel. You can see she is wearing a towel over her bottoms and if you look at the other dude bros you can see they're nude throughout the chapter apparently his gifting doesn't make you to strip it erases your clothes from existence they haven't put clothes back on they she's resigned disintegrated she's resigned herself to like i'll just have to wear a towel now because my clothes have fucking been obliterated
0: apparently
1: (laughs) like what happened to them Did they eat their clothes?
0: Apparently, what happened was all those, you know, imaginary panels where it's like my clothes are being disintegrated off because it smells slash tastes so good. Apparently, that actually happened to them. I
1: I, I don't know if I'm more scared that that's the reality or that they're unintentionally eating their clothes because this food looks so good. And they're just like, it's quasi-edible. And they wake up and they're just like, why does my mouth taste like denim? It's a scary proposition.
0: Hmm. Even so, Azami is undeterred by this. He's like, all right, this is good. Yeah. With uh, you know a dish, this complex will be nearly impossible to balance properly. However, with correct guidance from the divine tongue, it has been indeed elevated to a level worthy of being called a specialty. And everyone's like, holy shit, he actually admits that it's as good as Tsukasa's dish was. That's amazing. Uh, but then he's like, Rindo's appetizer took Tsukasa's already impressive main dish and boosted its flavor by an order of magnitude. You, however, have simply presented a main dish during the appetizer course. It was the worst choice you could have made, completely destroying the flow of a course meal. No matter how close to 100 points this individual dish is, as part of a larger course meal, this is worth nothing.
1: And he drops his fork. It feels like a dramatic fashion. Ah. Clank! (laughs) Clank! I don't know how
0: his fork managed to land that way, directly underneath his hand when he's holding his hand palm up, but he did it.
1: So <laughs> that's what's so impressive about it. That's yeah. a zombie's true specialty: slamming forks. Uh,
0: I do like the direction this is taken, uh, because we were kind of guessing the whole time, like, oh, Rindo is going to fuck something up because she's upset with the way things are being done, or you know, there's discord within her heart, uh, and so that will throw off Sukasa's dish. Nope. We're supposed to be believe that the opposite has happened.
1: So it is still just... weird because they they still did tease something there. So I'm curious what that was supposed to amount to.
0: I imagine that um, if she was completely on her game, then maybe they still wouldn't be able to have won this. Like she still did like her job, but they didn't both go above and beyond. Maybe. Which is what Soma essentially says they have to do. Because everyone's like, Soma, how could you be so selfish? What, and Aaron is like, eventually like, what do you think you're doing? We're supposed to work together as a team. And Soma's like, all right, listen to Kiri. I'm serious when I say this. I want to win this team show really bad. Then why'd you do that?
1: <laughs> I, I want to note something I really liked as well. And that is after Azami kind of slaps the deal down, he's like, you just fucked this up and it's worthless. It's Azon who's the first to be like, hey, I know Yukihara gets rash, but has he ever been thoughtless? And basically the entirety of like their team that were kind of defeated by members of like that direct Soma trio kind of all seem to be quietly acknowledging there must be something at larger work here. I do mm-hmm. like the, the sign of respect that seems to, to sit yeah. through, that they weren't immediately just like, ha ha, Soma messed up, ha ha ha. Or anything yeah, like
0: that. in particular, the three people who were defeated by Soma in the past, Aizan, Kino Kinokuni, and Soma, are the ones who are like, there's more to this. Mm-hmm. Like, he cares too much about winning to do that, basically. <laughs> um, and Soma explains that he tasted, when he tasted Sakasa's dish a bit ago, it was really, really good. And hey, those dishes that you made for me last night, They can't touch it. And he's like, what what do you mean? mean?" And he says, because none of them were your specialty. If we're going to beat him, we need not one but two specialties chock full of every last ounce we've got. If we can't put together a course with two dishes of that caliber, we're going to lose. You think you can make a better main dish than me? Well, it's time you proved it. If you can't outdo me, you lose. In a way, that makes this a shokugeki between you and me. So show me what you've got. Make me a specialty with everything you have, a super specialty to beat a specialty, a super secret ghost specialty to beat a super secret specialty. (laughs) Uh,
1: This is cool. This is extremely cool. I I like this twist. I like that this is, on one hand, this is very quintessential Soma, where he is Mm -hmm. like a self-centered asshole about this stuff. But it also puts a cool twist on this where it's still kind of putting back to what was kind of the forefront of this series, like sort of original setup, which is Soma and Arena, and turning this into a friendly Shokugeki kind of between them and his trying to like push her to a new level. Uh, Part of me does wonder is like. Hey Soma, didn't you think to maybe mention this at least at the start of the contest? Because you took all the time cooking that. You said anything she's gonna make now is gonna suck. So she's to start all over. Holy shit!
0: <laughs> Jeez, I hope that I hope that Sukasa and Rindo and Soma all made their dishes really quickly. <laughs>
1: yeah, that like you have a. Uh, 13 minutes to make your new specialty, Arita. She's like, uh, uh, <laughs> it's grilled cheese with seven kinds of cheese. One of them is cheese whiz. I had no time. I panicked. She's like,
0: She just takes the dish that she already had and is like, uh, uh grab some hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just dumps honey mustard on it. You're like, here you go. He's like, this isn't going to work.
0: Wait a minute, hang on. And she, like, grinds up a cinnamon brown sugar Pop-Tot over it.
1: (laughs) She just grabs the plate Soma served them, like, spins it behind her back. And he's like, here's my dish. (laughs) (laughs) A bone meat pate with several bites taken out of it already. (laughs) They're like, this is very (laughs) (laughs) avant-garde. I admire the boldness. (laughs) (laughs) They're like... I want to see where this goes. (laughs) But no, no, I I like this twist. I think this is a very cool idea, and I think it's going to make for uh, an interesting development going forward. I'm really intrigued to see what actually happens here when we get to see Erin a specialty at work here.
0: This really feels like the point where, like, the real... it, It seems like the final realization of, you know, the clash of ideals between Azami and the, you know, original the uh, Totsuki Institute, yeah. because, you know, this is, you know, achieving, you know, uh, brilliance through competition, you know, the gr- grinding the stones up in order to make diamonds uh, that we established so long ago, because he's clashing with Arina. Some is going to force her to get better. And so, yeah, it looks like it's all going to be coming together in all this. Look forward to the next chapter. Okay, let's move on now to Dr. Stone.
1: It's time to get stoned! Cheddar's equals 53. Stone, 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 stone. You can carry on, I'm just going to keep doing the Barclester theme song in the background. Get some Jimmy John stapled to my back.
0: Split open someone's skull again, you know. Z <laughs> equals 53, Hard Knox Crafting Club. Uh, last time, of course, uh, through the efforts of Chrome and... Uh, oh, gosh, I always forget this guy's name. Old Man Craftsman. <laughs> I'll remember it later. Kasaki. They made a hydroelectric power plant with, with a water wheel. Kaseki. Kaseki, yes. Old Man Kaseki. And uh, so Senki's like, okay, well... We're not done used actually doing all the stuff for this yet because, look, I mean, like, we've got, you know, the electric wires and it's constantly generating electricity. We need to actually, you know, store that. So they make batteries. Uh, they get a whole bunch of these bottles, fill them up with sulfuric acid uh, and put them all up together. And he's like, hey, with this, we can stash electricity whenever we want. That is actually pretty simple. And Chrome's like, that was not simple. It was actually really intense to have to do that. All right, let's do it five more times. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting to the point where Chrome and Kaseki, who apparently still have not gotten to sleep after the three days making the water wheel, he's still working them hard, but eventually makes a battery from everything. And uh, so Ginro, being Ginro, is just like, will this really actually store electricity? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that in the shot where he's considering that, Senku's just there, like a finger up his nose, like watching quietly, like, this is going to be funny as shit.
0: <laughs> oh! Man, that was really yep, funny. it was funny
1: as shit. <laughs> that was hilarious.
0: But afterwards, Ginro is very relieved because this means he and Kinro don't have to churn the hand-churned generator anymore. And they're really relieved from this. And, Senku, and Senku's like, hey, you know, I didn't do this just to make your lives easier. You, you, need, you need to work elsewhere. And is like,
1: yeah, let's go, let's go fucking train, you guys! <laughs> ah, spiky teeth and everything.
0: Then we cut away to uh, more work that Senku is doing along with Chrome and, and Kaseki, who still haven't got a chance to lie the fuck down. Uh, but he's trying to make more gears for stuff and he keeps on fucking it up, which I like is a continuation of stuff that you know, Senku knows everything to do in theory, but he would still be completely lost without these people who know how to make stuff by hand. He's just like, oh man, I broke another gear. God damn it. (laughs) God, crap. (laughs) Um, And Chrome and Kaseki, when they see the blueprints that Senku has drawn up, uh, they get a bit of an energy boost from seeing it. They get it all working together, and yeah, they have this fully automated uh, engine generator now as a result of everything with the with their puffer system, Mark Three. Um, and everyone's happy because now the entire village doesn't have to just be pumping shit constantly in order to make metal for everything. Which leads the chief to have the exact same reaction that Kohaku had earlier. It's like, now go stock up shit for the winter.
1: <laughs> I guess it just runs in the family.
0: Yeah, the, the gleamy eye and I get this, I get to uh, be a slave driver gene. <laughs> uh, and then we get a montage of people just doing shit. Uh, because months pass in this chapter. They specifically say like two months pass uh, after this point. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people, you know, gathering food items, uh, jarring things, uh, and then making wine, which, of course, Kohaku and Rui are put in charge of while wearing, like, the skimpiest clothing we've seen them in thus far, because, of course, they
1: are. That's how you make wine, Nick. Gotta do it in, like, your underwear and shit. Yeah. That's the only way you can make wine.
0: Uh then it's up uh, they uh, are trying to make light bulbs uh and uh you know senka's leading the process and it's very very delicate work and kaseki is so tired by this point that he keeps on accidentally breaking the glass um but he actually says something really really cool which is like hey you know life's gotten a whole lot rougher since you sure turned up but also a lot more fun with a few exceptions everyone in this in this here village agrees and there's just this tiny little bubble with magma, <laughs> and his, his uh, subordinate goes it's like, like the, the exception. <laughs>
1: or, or, or the foo, I think was his name, the Mini the foo.
0: <laughs> but that's a cool little little thing. It's like, hey, you know, you've made our lives a lot better with with all this. It's been hard work getting to this point, but it's cool. So.
1: I also like when it kind of builds this idea of like this old veteran kind of crafter who's just like he's he's taxed by all this work. It's challenging him, but he also likes it because it's allowed him to experience and do crafting stuff that's pushed him to a level like it's it's that thing that kind of always is intriguing when those stories kind of about like humanity, somebody skilled pushing themselves beyond their limits and how much that gives them value of life because of it.
0: You would have to imagine, like, you know, if there were, like, a uh, hundred years after this point, the lore of, you know, when first came to this village, that Kaseki would be, like, one of these, like, legendary figures because he made all of these achievements possible. He rein- helped to reinvent these absurd, life-changing things. So. Um. In order to actually properly make light bulbs, they do stuff with mercury in order to, you know, vacuum out the air, which, of course, causes the uh, air inside of the light bulb to not be as hot, which means it becomes less fragile so that they can actually do it properly. And lots and lots of time goes by. Winter comes, starts to snow, and they finally have managed to actually get light bulbs working, which, uh, you know, Chrome's like, oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. Cause should we actually, like, you know, call call off the test of this? And Sega's like, nah, this is actually perfect timing. And they strung a bunch of the light bulbs up in this tree and they make a Christmas tree uh, because it's actually Christmas at this point. Everyone's like, oh, it, it took us a long time to get here. And he's like, nah, no, nah, we're actually right on schedule. And Gan's like, wait a minute. Isn't today Christmas? And as if on cue, like, there's just a, a silhouette of Santa and his reindeer <laughs> flying across the sky. And I like to think. It's not just a fancy visual, but no, obviously, Santa Claus is still delivering presents.
1: <laughs> yeah, obviously, he was somewhere safe when the, the event happened, and, you know, him and the reindeer are fine. They go around now uh, giving presents to all the unstoned <laughs> people. All right, everyone, get into the bomb shelter. <laughs> <laughs> Bad shit is coming. Uh, two things. One, Kohaku. Pants, girl. Come on. It's got to be so cold. It's cold. cold. <laughs> but too, I love that she still carries around the katana like it's just become mm. like her thing. She's like, "No, this 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 is an extension of myself cool. now. I'm yeah. never not using this."
0: Um, that's basically it for the chapter. Um, it, you know, everyone gets to have the slight this little Christmas tree and stuff. I do like the little exchange where, you know, cuz again, Guinness just says like, "It's Christmas." And Zeke so is like, "Huh?" what a coincidence against like Pff, you liar <laughs> fucking
1: bullshit uh it it does end also with chrome realizing that if they have lights like this then they could go actually spelunking in caves and start mm-hmm. getting minerals that way so that seems like yeah. we're going to him Gen, and uh senku will go around looking for minerals and down all that so good stuff yeah super solid chapter very fun Looking forward to uh, seeing where we go, because I guess we are got to be somewhat quickly getting to the the conflict. Didn't they say it was going to be like when winter ended?
0: When winter ends. So if they're in Christmas, then, of course, they're at the beginning of winter um, and they've got what, like two and a half months, I think, three months uh, before winter ends. So.
1: So let's move on to We Never Learn. This is question 58. On a stormy night, a genius's heart isn't in X.
0: I have some problems with this chapter, but I'll wait for the end.
1: (laughs) So the starting premise of it is that there is a typhoon gained intensity in the area. And because of that, they're kind of closing afternoon classes. Everything's going to be kind of closing up. And Uweka is thinking about like, oh, okay, so we'll have the afternoon off all lots of time to prepare like study lessons and everything like that. And as he's leaving, he sees Fumino kind of staring outside, and she has a very preoccupied look upon her face. She seems to be deep in some sort of thought. So, you know, he tries to kind of talk to her and, you know, say, like, oh, man, we should really get home. Any moment now, you know, it's going to start, like, the rain. And she's like, oh, wait, no, actually, I'm going to stop by inside this diner real quick. And so she runs over, and you, you know, you wake a stage with her. He's like, you know what? I guess I'm hungry too. And, uh,. let's see what's going on. She's like, ooh, let's get this super awesome fucking, like, $35 Sunday." apparently. (laughs) Because he's like, it's 3,500 yen! I was like, I think it is, like, 35 bucks or something like that. That's crazy.
0: That's gonna be, like, gigantic. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Like, it has to cover, like, the entire table. Uh, But right before they'd order it, the waitress comes up and says that they're closing early because of the typhoon. So they have to leave, and we can see like a different selection of all these restaurants they probably tried to get to before they find it was closed. And they have to settle on eating cup noodles outside of like a convenience store. Uh, you know, Uega's just like, hey, uh, what's, what's going on? Why do you have a weird accent? Because she like starts going in, like, this ain't cutting it. I was fixing to really splurge really cut loose now. <laughs> and like, eeeee. Uega's like, where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh,. So she demands to swap uh, cups with them So that they can try each other's different ones And she enjoys it And there's that moment of like Oh, she already used these chopsticks This is <laughs> Uh But it starts raining So they have to use their umbrella And, you know, Rina's apologetic Because she's like Ah, you know, this is my fault You wanted to go home earlier But Ywayga's like I don't mind that I'm just concerned You seem like something's up today And she says Oh, not really It's just that my dad's home today so I kinda don't want to go home. And there's just this moment of clear silence between them before Uega just says, Huh, well, I guess we could look for somewhere to get out of the rain. And she says, No, no, I don't want to cause you any trouble. You're very kind. He's like, No, don't worry about it. But uh in that moment, of course, then their umbrella gets caught by the wind, shoots backwards, and then uh they decide to quickly find shelter i guess in the closest available place which is a movie theater so now they've managed to find shelter in a movie theater they get gonna see some really old movie she's like oh it looks a little scary you okay with that he's like yeah sure if it's not super scary and then it's just a picture of like a zombie and he's like oh this, 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 this is super scary <laughs> and, it I just, and i just like fumido who's just uh Fumino, who's just like munching on popcorn she's like that person doesn't have, is wearing the makeup or something like that. And you're like, is she critiquing the movie as it's happening? She's just like, not, not solid enough. This movie made 20, 50 years ago, whatever, is not living up to my expectations. But then, the <laughs> <laughs> then the power goes out. Two
0: stars.
1: Then the power goes out.
0: You imagine if, like, we never learned stopped being about like uh, a harem romance and just became like, you know, uh, Fumino and Yuega at the movies and they give it, they give movies thumbs up and thumbs down.
1: <laughs> and like, Yuika is always super emotional. He's like, the newest Jumanji is so incredible. It's got action. It's got you know drama. It's got love. And she's just like, the video game cliches were too over the top. One star like, wait, I thought she was the one who enjoyed literature. She seems to just hate everything. Like, she even hates good movies, too. Like, she's, she's watching Dunkirk.
0: That's, that's what it means to like literature, Chris, is to be a snob.
1: <laughs> she's <laughs> like, it's to hate everything. She's like, what's your favorite movie? She's like, I actually hate every movie I've ever seen. <laughs> what about... Really? What about, like, I don't know, fucking... <laughs> Star Wars? <laughs> she's appreciate. like, more like Star Wars. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> what about Wonder Woman? Wonder Meh. That's what I called it. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense as a quip. <laughs> Wonder Woman Meh. There we go. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> it's like, like,
0: what about, uh, what about Avengers? Like my
1: uh, like She's like, you just use meh for everything.
0: <laughs> like Michael in that one episode of The Office.
1: <laughs> Roasted. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> Uh, but then the power goes out. Which is like the one episode of that show I've actually seen. <laughs> the power goes out, and uh, I guess me. I guess I go in and I tell them, like, hey, power went out. like, did they forget to pay the power bill? There's a fucking hurricane outside. <laughs> why is that your first thought? So, yeah, I show up to let them know that the power will come back on in a moment, though. And you know, they're kind of in just
0: the stop. darkness. If you're gonna fuck, use a condom. Thank you.
1: <laughs> That's why I let him know. I'm like, be safe, kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, as soon as I get outside, they just like, yeah, Storm's probably a Kennedy supporter. I'm like, fuck, why won't you leave? <laughs> Didn't want them to see the truth. So uh they're in the darkness. It's a little weird. So Sumina's like, hey, can we talk a little? So because he has no game whatsoever it's like sure let's solve math problems (laughs) and she's like uh i mean it's not really what i meant by let's talk but so but then you says okay well how about you tell me about your father you don't have to of course but and she says i can't because even if i told you you'd never believe me anyway he says okay i see well anyway Today's sure been a weird day, but we went around to all these restaurants and all these things that happened. Man, what a day. It is almost like a date, isn't it, Furuhashi? And she kind of has a little bit of a, a shy, blushing reaction. Uh, eventually, the storm seems to pass. They go their separate ways, and the chapter ends with a joke where uh, Fumino's friends ask her, like, where would you go in a dream, like, date restaurant kind of thing? And uh, Fumino thinks back to the moment she just had. She said, "How about some instant noodles at the convenience store?" And her friend's like, "What?" That's a chapter. So uh, I will
0: say this is easily the best Fumino chapter we've gotten in months, if not ever. Mm. Uh, this was really good. I like that uh, we, you know it's really telling that, you know, Fumita would rather be out in a fucking hurricane than spend time with her father. That's how bad their relationship is. And we still don't know the details as to why. Um and I really like that what you what you does for her, and also most surprising thing to come out of this chapter is that when he brings up the idea that they're kind of like, it's like, I like that they're on a date. She doesn't immediately default to, Oh no, I'm sorry. Rizu and Uruka. She just realizes like, huh, I guess it kind of is, which indicates one, a sign of just general maturity for her. And also that she might be more open to the idea of a romantic relationship with you. I guess. So potentially, that part of their relationship can actually move forward. She has technically been part of the harem since the very beginning. And it's nice. The best the best parts of We Never Learned are when the relationships between the girls and Ewega actually progress. And we're not just caught the same cycle of everyone going around in a circle, babbling like chickens with their heads cut off. So overall, this is a very good chapter. That said, the inconsistencies of hurricane closures very much bother me as a Floridian. <laughs> that theater would not be fucking open because no one would be going outside to go to the
1: fucking movies. (laughs) No one would be bothering. Speaking as somebody, Nick, who currently works at the movie theater, I have been told we are one of the last places to close if there is a weather-related emergency. And I have had to drive through snow to get to a movie theater because we, we are still open. It is true. Very few people come to the theaters that day. But we are one of the last places to close. Now, that said...
0: Theaters tend to be pretty solidly built places. It's, that's not the problem. It's getting to them that's the problem.
1: <laughs> yes. So. It is a very big danger to uh, try to get to one of those in inclement weather. But so. there's some people out there just like, my house is boring. I want to do something. I'm going to risk a hurricane to get out to a fucking sea, midnight sun, or whatever bullshit movie you check it out. And then the black screen when the
0: power goes out. <laughs> 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 ah power company must be a Kennedy
1: supporter Goddamn Kennedy's the power consumption <laughs> I curse you uh yeah I know I really I really really enjoyed this chapter I love this chapter actually uh I, I like that we got some more for Fumino and you know we've had some smaller hints throughout the series that there's some sort of weird relationship between Fumino and her father but this is the first one I think to really push it to the forefront It's always been kind of like a small kind of tease in earlier chapters. And this one, this is kind of the big thing. And there's definitely people I know who have been in a similar situation that have had such a rough relationship with their parents that they would do anything to not have to go home. They just hate that, that arrangement so much. And I like that. We still don't know the full story to it. We just get enough to kind of get a sense, but I I really also appreciate the way that this sort of whole ordeal was taken. You know, the reason why I like Uega is because he shows himself in certain instances to be a really good person. And this is one of them, where mm-hmm. when he sees a friend in trouble, you know, he hears, like, oh, you don't want to go home because you don't like spending time with your dad. Or there's something about your dad being home that makes you uncomfortable, so you won't do anything else but that. All right, let's go find out what else we can do. And he does try to ask her what's going on. And when she kind of says, like, "Now nah, you wouldn't believe me even if I told you, he doesn't push it. He doesn't try to, like, prod. He's like, okay, well... Anyway, today has been really weird and crazy and fun, hasn't it? Like, it's just a very responsible way to handle that situation. That's what makes me appreciate Other
0: than, you program. know, allowing her to wander around outside during a hurricane, that was still pretty bad.
1: It seemed like it was a pretty blase hurricane. Everyone seems to be closing up for nothing there, Nick. Just enough to blow an umbrella sideways and... Oh, that knock out the that power. That kind of
0: attitude is why people die in hurricanes, Chris.
1: <laughs> Nick, I watched that one Metocalypse episode where the hurricane was coming down and uh, Scramble's Death Dealer didn't do nearly as much as people were worried about. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, did it take out half of Florida if I'm looking at the episode right? Uh, super solid episode, though. Uh Chapter. So it also was a good episode of long, They
0: just, They just should have known to stand back because there was a hurricane coming through.
1: So. Dun, 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 dun. I was so bummed when he got a from the Royal Rumble so quick. Ah, uh, yeah.
0: He didn't even get to chokeslam anyone, which was actually the right thing to do, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite moments in Royal Rumble history is when he tries to chokeslam Austin and Triple H. And they're just like...
1: <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs>
0: Good chapter. Week full of good chapters, honestly. Mm -hmm. The Promised Neverland, Chapter 82. Master of the Hunting Ground. So, uh, in reaction to Luvis showing up and everyone not knowing uh, what the fuck has happened to uh, Zack and Pepe, uh, the ultimate survivor, Zack and Pepe, Mm -hmm. uh, Giselle basically decided to disobey Nigel's orders slash wishes and is going to go and confront Bayon so that either Nigel will be forced to have to fight together with her so that they will try and survive or uh, she'll be the one to die protecting him as opposed to the other way around. Essentially, she's sick of people sacrificing themselves for her and then she's going to step up and do it instead. Um. So she fires some bullets at Bayon and uh, he responds by rushing towards her, quickly chasing her down and nearly cutting her in half. But fortunately, Nigel is able to shoot some bullets and uh, throw off his aim. Um, and Nigel starts to chew her out as they like escape around a tree. And, uh, he's like, come on, you know, this is a matter of life or death. You know, your emotions are getting in the way here. We should, we need to prioritize the mi- mission. You know, we've done this so many times. So what the hell are you doing? And Giselle's like, well, you're currently the one who's not leaving me behind to die right now. So come on. You're the one who's basically acting on emotions as opposed to following the mission plan right now. So get over yourself. Uh, so they're left standing off uh, across from Bayon, who says, hey, were you the two that killed Little Loose?" And they're like, what? Yeah, you killed him. You know, the whistle, there's the smell of gunpowder. So you use those toys to kill him and his subordinates, right? I love he calls them toys. That's, I just like that little touch there. It's just like, oh, yeah, you know, you're far You're little toys, you know. These
1: adorable little things you have here.
0: And then he's like, oh, wonderful. Uh, he think he's like, I didn't think that you could actually do that. So, but yeah, my subordinates have been killed. I, I, you guys must have been planning this because he certainly didn't just figure out how to do this all in one day. And yeah, your friends, they put up a really good fight. It truly was remarkable. He holds up his freaking bloody ass glaive in one hand. Um, and he, so he actually says, hey. So how'd you find out how to kill us? How'd you acquire that knowledge? Someone must have been helping you. Someone must have told you someone. And that someone must be the leader of this rebellion. And he basically just fly out says, take me to your leader. Uh, so they're like, OK, so we need to lead him away from Lucas at the very least. So like, OK, let's run and run, run away from him so that we can keep on doing this and lead him away from Lucas. And it was just like, OK. Or Bayon, rather, is like, okay, slashes Jillian across the back and picks her up and says, so now I'm going to make you make a choice. Either I kill your friend or you give up your leader. So you have to choose between this girl's life and your leader's life. And Nigel takes a little bit to agonize over the, the decision. And then he realizes, I know what I have to do. I okay, hang on, I'll, I'll end your suffering, Jillian, and prepares to shoot her so that she will at least die quickly. But then Pepe appears.
1: Pepe, he's alive, Nick! Pepe oh, yeah, lives! Yeah.
0: He's got, like, one... Tiny part of his glasses still intact.
1: Uh, no, on Nick. One he's eye. always worn that stupid monocle. Has it always been a monocle? It's always been a goofy monocle thing.
0: I thought it was part of glasses. Okay. Anyway, he throws a smoke bomb. Poof! And Nigel grabs Jillian and they run the fuck away. And Pepe's like,
1: "I have a plan." And
0: that's the end of the chapter.
1: So, what are the betting odds, Nick, that Super Survivor Zach has Super also survived? survived?
0: uh pretty good
1: <laughs> i'll be
0: uh go like two three on that or something
1: i think right now i am someone interested I, I i like certain parts of this chapter certainly i like that they have been able to just with the raw emotion of it made me start to give at least a slight amount of crap about nigel and jillian it's not easy because again, I still don't really know much about these characters. I've not spent that much time, but the situation itself has just kind of transpired to be one. That's kind of easy to invest into. But I also like what they did with Lord Byron here, where he's just like, Marvelous! You killed my subordinates! This is marvelous! You've accomplished something! I never thought you loser kids would be able to do this! This is splendid! Like, just a very haughty, douchey villain speech where he's just like, I, you killed my friends! That's marvelous! You're so triumphant! You're just like, god damn, this dude's fucking sinister as shit. And I do like how he actually just goes in and just like cuts Jilly in the back, like just slices to her immediately, snatches her up, and just like squeezing her by the head. He's like, "You can get, you can take me to your leader or I crush your skull." Very very sinister way of doing it. Up to you. So I dig that part of it, definitely.
0: Uh yeah, I mean it's not a particularly great chapter, uh, but Promise Neverland has kind of hit this weird sort of I don't know. After they killed Luce, it's just been kind of like diminishing returns with all the the other conflicts. I just don't care about these kids. And meanwhile, Emma is just standing somewhere staring at Luvis while the two of them aren't moving while this is going on.
1: Yeah. So I think it's super solid, though. I dig it. Excuse me. Uh, Let's move on then to the Seven Deadly Sins, Chapter Two Sixty Two. The one warped by darkness. So our chapter opens up with uh, De Ray kind of standing up as this entire crowd looks on to her. And the first real reaction we get is fucking Deathpiercer. This fucking dickhead who's still around. Who's like, oh, father in heaven, thank you for allowing me to avenge Denzel Samu with my own two hands. And he charges past Elizabeth who, like, is calling out, like, wait, no, she's not here to fight. <laughs> and he breaks his sword against the rei and just watches in there as she just walks past him without paying him any mind. It's great. <laughs> like, it's kind of sad because he was entirely motivated about avenging one of his comrades. And there was a moment where after the sword, like, cracks that he's, like, you can see him, like, kind of, like, I Never. have failed you! <laughs> but just like God damn it if Death Piercer doesn't have a, just a boatload of conviction. But uh Derere goes straight up to Elizabeth and says, I don't know where else to go. I felt magic, you know, Monsbet saved me, and now is coming, and as soon as they say that, you know, speak of the devil and he shall appear. Esterosa's like, found you. <laughs> And he slams down into it. And he's like, it doesn't get any better than this. And he summons a black hound, which is just a living giant dog of fire, a black fire that, like, runs around Elizabeth and De Ray, Ray so frequently it creates, like, a fire spit tornado that locks them down.
0: Side I, like, I like the style of this. Like, there's no real point to it being a giant hound of fire. He could have just summoned a wave of fire in a circle around them, but he has to make it this devil dog thing that runs around them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That uh, howls as it does it, too. (laughs) It's like going like. Nick, do you remember fire spin back in the day?
0: Uh, Yes. And uh, when I learned what the move actually did, uh, I was like, wow, this is actually way less good. (laughs) than It was was always made out to be.
1: Well, because back in the day, you couldn't the opponent couldn't actually. While you used it Mm -hmm. Which was fucking garbage I sent a letter to Nintendo about that They actually responded Really? Well I sent a letter to Nintendo Because it was a Pokemon Stadium game And a trainer used it against me And it stun locked me But I remembered Fire Spin only ever had 5 PP So I was like fine you Use it 5 times and then I can kick your ass And then they used it 6 times And I sent them a letter I was like how can they do that? Fire Spin only has 5 PP And they sent me a letter back They're like hey yeah, they were like, yeah, the trainer, you know, may have used a PP up, but, you know, sorry for the grief you felt. And I was like, thank you, Nintendo, you're all right in my book.
0: Also, ban him, please. Yeah, I was like, <laughs>
1: fuck that. Yeah, kill him. I want his family to suffer. <laughs> the goddamn Kennedy-supporting fire spin using assholes. But Esther
0: used... Should have used use Rapid Spin. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But uh, Estherosa sneaks into this fire and uses his opportunity to kind of have a conversation with Elizabeth and Ray in private. And he just says, I don't know how you and He's like, my- check
0: out my ridiculous muscles. <laughs> I don't have nipples.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, actually. Uh, he says, "I don't know how you managed to escape under my brother's watch, but I really looked at lucked out this time. So glad to see you again, Elizabeth and Durendal. Your commandment, please. Don't worry, I'll be sending you to join Monspiet soon." Uh, Such a
0: wonderful dick. This chapter. My favorite instance of it is coming up later, though. Yeah.
1: So Elizabeth says, "I know that you're, you know, you're trying to gather the commandments to make melodius the Demon Lord. I'm not going to allow that." Well, to be fair, she says that, and Esther Rose is like. Make Melodius the Demon Lord. I'll have you know that I. And then she's like, no, I won't allow it. Like, he was about to be like, I'm a total asshole who doesn't care about uh, giving him the commandments at all. I want to be the Demon Lord. I clearly have my own interests at heart first. And she's like, no. (laughs) So she. she I won't let you let 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 Melodius become the Demon Lord, I (laughs) say. So, like, Darayra is like, let him finish his sentence, and she traps him in like this this light ball called an arc, and just fucking tosses his ass like a baseball, like he's just Gah! like, you see him, you see the fire spinning like typhoon that they were trapped in, and she throws his ass into a fucking mountain like a mile and a half away, and then he's just like, how rude? Yeah, exactly like fucking uh, Stephanie from, from Full House. How rude. <laughs> Pops out and he says, uh, yeah, well, if you're going to resist me that much, I'll be tempted to steal your will, too. Even if it's a high ranking demon, it's still impressive that he is. Esca- oh, sorry. This is everyone else, I guess, saying it. This is the angels that have snuck up on him. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. They're like, oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's impressive. He managed to break through our arc unscathed. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. And he turns around and he sees Serial and Tamiel. The uh, two of the other archangels, you know, the two that aren't Ludichel and the dead one. Yeah. And he's like, so what happened to
0: that straight-laced Ludichel? And uh, what was the last one's name again? Um, uh, Mail! Oh, right. I killed Mail. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's such a great moment. Like, it's even, such a dick! It even has the giant sound effect of smirk. <laughs> like, like, he definitely said it. Like, oh, right. I killed him. Mm. <laughs> Uh, their response, of course, is to blast him with a ton of holy energy. (laughs) And, uh, they note that one of the archangels has as much strength as any two of the Ten Commandments, so they can easily finish him off alone. Because it's just Mathnik, if one archangel is strong enough to beat two Ten Commandments, and there are two archangels, that means there'd have to be four Ten Commandments to be able to stop this guy.
0: Oh no, Chris, I'm currently seeing double. Four males!
1: (laughs) So, uh, so he says, that's some big talk flies by them, turns his hands into whirling buzz sauce and <laughs> slices them in half with encroaching fire darkness that swallows them whole. And he says, Oh, I killed the strongest of the, the, the four archangels. So you really thought your pathetic excuses could beat me. You didn't even have time to show off your tornado and ocean graces. Huh? And then they explode into light, and they're like, then I guess we ought to show you our graces to avenge our fallen comrades. And the two of them are fine. They now have their, like, archangel wings and shit. Like, they basically just got rid of their fucking training weights, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm
0: still pretty confident in Esther chances against these two, considering how much he raffle stomped them just now. Uh, I feel as though they're going to basically have to hold out until Ludichel or someone else comes along in order to assist them.
1: Uh, or maybe Elizabeth. Some, mm-hmm. I can't imagine, like, part of me's also thinking, like, I feel like Zeldris or Meliodas himself had to be present for killing this guy. He's one of their brothers, and he's a complete shithead. Like, mm-hmm. even amongst the bad guys, he's a shithead, so... I keep feeling like there's going to be some extra twisted to this. But.
0: Or he'll manage to get away or something. Because the thing is that you know, he already possesses multiple of the Ten Commandments at this point. So yes. I don't think that at this point, for, this, for story purposes, that those are going to fall into the good guy's hands.
1: Does he have three of them now or four? <laughs> three or four. I forget I how many. He has Grey Walls, his own, and then Monspiets. And I can't remember if he took a fourth one yet or not. But yeah, he, he has, has at
0: least three. He has several, yeah. But yeah, uh, this, is a, this is a cool chapter and I love how much of a
1: horrible dick this is. This is. And there is a great one of just like, where's ma m, ma- ma- oh, right, male. And that's right, I killed him. Spare. <laughs> like, just the shittest eating grin he has. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. And we don't have One Piece this week, which means no. that we're pretty much going to have a fairly quick... Uh, episode of the podcast, because we're close on uh, Black Clover.
1: Black Clover!
0: Page 152, Troublesome Woman. Uh, So, last time, all of the possessed elf people showed up, and Mariela Leona threw Asta and Zora through a wall to get them to safety, and she's going to buy them time to try and get them to escape, or as she put at the end of the last chapter, kill all those people! To make sure that they're no longer a threat. And most of the chapter is fighting. Lots of fighting. Uh, Mary Leona is talking a, a big game to begin with. I like that she opens with Hey, it's five against one. Do you still need a handicap? While well, she's bombarding them with fire, lasers, or whatever the hell her ability is. We cut to outside where Asa's like, We have to help her! And Zora's like, No, we're leaving. <laughs> Uh, but Assa says, hey, we can't leave. We can't leave her. She's going to die. And Zora says, listen, if we go back in there without a plan, they'll kill us all. You don't have magic. So you couldn't tell how tough they actually are. And I don't really like that. She saved my ass either. But right now we have to make sure somebody survives all this. And the captain made that decision. Don't you dare waste her sacrifice pretty standard little speech for this kind of a situation but I do like that you can tell that Zora does feel conflicted about this despite how harshly he's talking to Asp about everything Uh, we see a bunch of different magic getting used uh, by all the elf possessed people uh, there's a whole bunch of attacks that get launched at Barry Leona and it's starting to be so much that she's starting to get overwhelmed then there's a then uh. Rill uses his paint magic to summon a giant fucking fist to punch her. Uh, and when she tries to blast it, uh, Raya uses his uh, space magic to port the fist through a hole in space. So it punches her from the other side. And Mary Leona realizes that on top of just having to fight five people, her reactions are starting to get slow. And her attacks aren't as powerful. And she looks up and realizes that uh, snow magic chick uh, that was useless uh, during the tournament, is basically using this kind of weakening snowstorm thing. And she explains that she's putting the senses of everyone in the space to sleep except elves. I don't know exactly. It's weird that she has that very specific exception to it, but okay. Um, the guy who was previously Ruben part of the uh, Crimson Lions uh, is now named Rosa. And uh, Mariela is like, I at least want to kill you so that you can't cause any trouble while you're possessing one of the Crimson Lion Kings. And she like blasts out of this tomb of sand that he tries to imprison her in, rushes towards him, co- covered in fucking fire, going to punch him out. And then Raya just space pours in front of her, draws a sword and cuts through her samurai style. And uh, he's like, see you, Lady Royal. And then she shoots a giant laser at him because she's not dead yet. And everyone's like, Jesus Christ, this fucking woman. She's not... Is she human? Is she really human? And Raya's just like, you sure are one troublesome woman. Sexist on top of everything else. What is wrong with you, dude? That's the chapter.
1: I'm trying... Okay, never mind. I was worried... For a moment, I thought that was Benjamin Benfunk as well. Ben Benfunk, sorry. And I was like, is his real name Ruben? And he bridges it to Ben? Yeah. yeah, but it's a different person. Because Ben Benfunk is also a member of the Crimson Line. To be, clear, hmm. to be clear. So I got confused. There's two dudes who look very similar on that. Uh, I don't know what to think on this chapter. Mm. Um... I, you know, I get it super cool and that she's still fighting and you're just like, oh, wow, you know, how cr- I, I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't necessarily want her to die. And I don't think that's necessarily the tone this series wants to go with, but I don't know how this ends. Like, I'm I am trying get to- the
0: impression that Zora's whole thing, we can't go in without a plan, is going to lead to he has to go in with a plan and grab her and get the fuck out of Dodge.
1: It's interesting, because I feel like there still has to be a showdown with uh, with Yuno and, and Ast at some point here. Because mm-hmm. I think we saw and confirmed that Yuno is one of the people who's been taken over as well. Yes. So, clearly they have to set up that so we can get a yuno to fight somewhere in a you know, distant to not-so-distant future. So, I feel like that encounter has to happen at some point, too. And I'm like, how does that happen? And the guy controlling Yuno... Doesn't just obliterate them on the spot. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Guess we'll have to see. Uh, we will.
0: It was a be- pretty decent chapter in my mind. There was not a single bad chapter this week. I-, I don't think, and there were a lot of really good ones. So it was a good. Cha- it was a good week for manga, despite the fact that we had no One Piece, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I don't. I feel weird. This is weird, Nick. How long has
0: this episode been? It's been very short. It's not even an hour and a half yet.
1: Nick, I'm uncomfortable with all of this. What do we? What do we do? Do we vamp? Do we? Do we find like? Do we talk about WrestleMania for another half an hour? <laughs> We could,
0: you know, uh, talk about the chapter of One Piece that we didn't get this week. Oh, man,
1: it was so cool. when It turns out all the straw hats were ghosts all along.
0: <laughs> From the very beginning.
1: And Brooke was the only one who was alive. Yeah. Oh, it turns out it was all just Laboon's dream. He just dreamt he met all the straw hats.
0: He was actually alone
1: the whole time. No oh. one ever came to see him. Holy shit. Dude, that was dark ass ending. Hell yeah. But I dug it, yeah.
0: And also, Laboon was actually uh, a a comatose child staring at a snow (laughs) globe.
1: It's just... It's just all, like, weirdness. (laughs) It's just every weird twist we could throw in there. Mm -hmm. Turns out, actually, it was Bob Newhart waking up and he just had a really bad dream.
0: But then it actually
1: turns out it was actually really purgatory all along because the after-credits... Or just a static shot on the beach with no bodies. That's a lost reference. Like the character in Lost literally said at the end of it, it's not purgatory. It's literally not purgatory. People are still confused by like a static image of a beach they use to give people a chance to breathe at the end of the episode. They're like, that is purgatory. They all died in the plane crash. <laughs> All right, let's, let's wrap let's
0: up. What are our favorites this week? <laughs> favorite uh, series and MVP.
1: I'm going to go with my favorite chapter as we never learned this week. I really, mm. really enjoyed this chapter. I thought it was really sweet. I like that we got a good Fumino chapter. And if Fumino has to enter into the harem, which we kind of already knew she was, I'm glad this is the way we're kind of entering into it. With a connection to who she is as a human character as opposed to them just touching hands on the beach and some spark happening or something like that. This This is a much better way to do that. Hello, dog. Scotia, shut up. I'm talking about pot. Talk, Talking about emotional scenes. Scotia, shut up. We're talking about we never learn. <laughs> carry on.
0: My favorite this week was My Hero Academia. I liked the mixture of uh, emotion and cool moments and action scenes that we got from this. It was really cool. Favorite character, I am gonna go with Esterosa for being such a wonderful asshole during this chapter. He, I actually finally understand who this character is, basically, as a result of this chapter. So,
1: I think that was it. I'm gonna give mine to uh, LaBrava. Brava. Because mm. I, I did not expect that character to twist my heartstrings in nearly the, the way she did so effortlessly. Three pages, Nick. It was all it did to turn me into a fucking, a, like a simpering wuss for her. Like, oh, la Brava, only victory and hope for you in the future. <laughs> You're so loving.
0: <laughs> Thank you guys, everyone, for joining us. Here on Weekly Manga Recap, we record the show normally on smashcast.tv slash RoloT and twitch.tv slash Start around 7 to 7.30 Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays every single week currently. For updates, you can follow us on Twitter. He is at RoloT and I am at Nick F. Time. And you can also follow the official podcast account at WMR Podcast. Also, be sure to check out our past episodes on Podbean.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. Leave comments and ratings so that we can become kings of the hobby section and defeat the woodworkers.
1: Someone's got to stop them. Their reign of tyranny. Those Kennedy supporters. <laughs> you all know it. It's true. They've been diehard kids. The plane was made of wood. <laughs>
0: If you have any feedback you want to send to us, ask us any questions for our Q&A episode. send us suggestions for our, mong- for our uh, future manga recommendations. You can send all that stuff via email to recap at yahoo.com. We are currently working our way through Akatsuki no Yona for our current recommendation. If you want us to check out another series, send that to us via email. Special thanks go out to our Patreon supporters. Your support allows us to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy. Also special thanks to Steam and Artrodise, he has his own Patreon and Infamous Planet. And that'll do
1: it. Yep, that's gonna do it, guys. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for watching. We will catch you next time. I have nothing on my mind to end this episode out with. Hmm. So all,
0: all hail women's champion Carmella.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> Go for it.